Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. The Gospel lesson comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. Let us listen for the Word of God. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made you five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made you two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you are a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Sometimes I feel like we might be challenged when the minister reading these verses from Scripture says, 
the word of the Lord, and you all respond, thanks be to God. Perhaps with verse 30, that the one with the one talent and then none will be thrown into a place where there is the gnashing of teeth made you feel a bit uncomfortable to affirm, thanks be to God. But yet you did it anyway. Before I begin my sermon, I want to say that last week was a wonderful Stewardship Sunday. We had a great lunch in our parish hall. The children sang alongside our choir, and it was great to be with you. And to each of you who have already submitted your pledge, a more formal thank you will be on the way in early December, but I want to take this opportunity to thank you for putting on track to meet our goals and hopefully even surpass them. Your support is invaluable to the work that we do and the vote of confidence it gives to this ministry is so, so appreciated, truly. Thank you. And I want to be clear, there is no ulterior motive with that. That is meant as a sincere thank you. Thank you. The parable of the talents continues Jesus' eschatological discourse. The eschatological discourse is simply a fancy way of saying it's Jesus' teaching about the time when he leaves the disciples' presence to prepare them for that time until he comes again. In this parable, a man is going on a journey. He summons his servants and he entrusts his property to them. He doesn't give his property to the disciples. He entrusts it to them. Meaning he intends to return and reclaim it again. And he's giving them the responsibility to look after and to care for it in the meantime. Our first takeaway of this parable is that we are stewards of that which God entrusts to each of us. Here in the parable, the master entrusts talents, money, to each of the servants. The master gives one servant five talents, to another servant two, and to another one. The ones who were given five and two talents each double what they were given, but the one who was given one talent dug a hole in the ground and hid the money for safekeeping. Again, if we're reading a parable, if we believe that Jesus is trying to say something to the crowds of his day and even to us today, then the message seems clear. God has given you talent. In some way or another, you are blessed with something that can be put to good use. Will you hold tightly and be fearful of losing what has been entrusted to you? Or will you show some trust in God and use what God has given you for good? When the master returns, he celebrates the servants who doubled what was entrusted to them, saying, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. These are the people that we want to be. How amazing it is to think of being greeted by God with such a greeting. But the third servant, the one who hid his talent in the ground, is scolded. Whereas the two who doubled the money entrusted to them are labeled good and 
trustworthy servants, the one who simply preserves what has been entrusted to him is called a wicked and a lazy servant. Before examining this terrible scolding, I want to rewind and think through a few elements of the parable. How and why did the third servant get such a terrible, terrible scolding? I've studied and preached upon this parable before, and I've always been troubled by the master giving to each of the servants according to their ability. If this parable was simply a story, if it was a simple story about a master and his three servants, then there's nothing to question and it all makes sense and there should be no discomfort. Or if this parable wasn't a parable, but a real, actual experience about a master who was going on a journey and gave talents to his servants, then there should also be no discomfort. But it's a parable. And Jesus intends for parables to draw analogies, metaphors, to be symbolic for God, for us. And parables are meant to shape our relationship for how we are to understand faith. Connections, inclusion, conclusions are meant to be made about God and relationship to God. And so if the master is meant to represent God, what do we all think about God giving to each according to their ability. I'm a little troubled by it. I shared this once before. The very first mission trip I took as a high school student to the Dominican Republic, I remember walking uh, dirt streets of a small village and the local children came out for piggyback or horseback rides and to walk alongside us as we toured this village. And as I looked in the rebar, uh, protection of each uh, open glass window, I, I thought to myself that myself and, and them are really no different. I did nothing to be born to the family that I was born into, where I was born into. And so I came to think a lot about this idea of uh, the birthright lottery, some people call it. We did nothing to be born into the families in which we were born into. And I was no different than these people here in the Dominican and so I'm troubled by an earthly master giving, uh, I'm troubled by God giving to each according to their ability. For example, if an earthly master were to give according to ability, it makes perfect sense. For example, I want people with ability and skill to manage my finances. And if I sense the ability is not there, I'm going to someone who I believe has it. And isn't that one sign of good and faithful stewardship? But when it comes to God giving gifts, I get uncomfortable thinking that God gives talents and gifts according to ability. Aren't we all just blessed with them? Does this become a theory of rewards and blessedness, a grounding for the prosperity gospel? Do those who have little deserve little, and those who have a lot deserve a lot? Did God intend for us to be rich and others poor, or vice versa? In reading the parable, each was given according to his ability. So the one who had a lot got a lot more, and the one who had little ended up with a lot less. And thinking this through, we have to realize that whether it was five, two, or one talent, all servants 
regardless of ability, were given far more than enough. Even the least of them, the one with one talent, is given an extravagant amount of money. One talent equals 6,000 denarii. In other words, one talent would equal approximately 20 years' worth of wages for the average worker. Basically, each of the servants won the lottery. And receiving five, two, or one talent, as each of the servants did, is like comparing the net worth of Bezos, Gates, and Musk. Even if some had more or less, all of them had far more than enough. To muddy the waters even more, five talents was the equivalent of 100 years' worth of the average worker's wages. And the servant, given the significant sum of money, was able to double it. In 2019, when Laurel and I were engaged, we took premarital counseling online through a never-before-heard-of computer application called Zoom. We didn't think anything of it. We thought it was cool. We didn't have to travel. We were living about 50 minutes apart, and we could meet each other on Zoom and, and do this premarital counseling. Not once did I think of investing in it until the pandemic hit. And even then, I don't think I, I didn't invest in it and didn't think much of it. But I've always regretted, if only, if only I had invested in Zoom when it was a never be heard, before heard of computer application that we used in 2019 for premarital counseling. Well, in preparation for today's sermon, I looked up Zoom stock. And I saw that if I wanted to make any money, it would have only been with the perfection of hindsight. Because I would have had to have done a lot of things that I don't think I would have done. Because after buying it in 2019, if I had, when I first learned of it, I would have had to have sold it on October 11th, 2020 for $559 a share. I went to my calendar in October 11, 2020. My church was still worshiping outside, social distancing, wearing masks. I don't think I would have sold Zoom at that point. And if I held on to it, which I think I would have, because it's still a part of my daily life, today it's worth even less than it was in 2019 when I first learned of it. This is all just a really long way to say that what the one with five talents does in doubling his money is extraordinary. It's either incredibly daring or courageous, or it is simply reckless. Would you risk 100 years' worth of wages on such an investment? It is either great faith and daring, or it's dangerous and reckless. And the same could be said for the servant who doubled his two talents. But this isn't a parable about investing. It's a parable about using your life and what you have been blessed with. This parable is about stepping out in faith, going all in, in faith, which no doubt sometimes feels like you are stepping off of a cliff, putting everything you have in one basket. But that basket isn't Zoom stock or any other stock. It is God. 
As Jesus has already told his disciples earlier, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Are you willing to put your talents to use? If the master gave to each according to their ability, why is the master so disappointed and surprised by the third's inability to earn any return on investment? To the one he gave one talent to, he expected the absolute least. That's why he only gave him one talent. He knew he couldn't deliver. And so the master shouldn't be, and I don't think he is, surprised by what the third servant does. He simply got what he expected. I believe that the real reason the master became so angry with the third servant, it isn't because he didn't double what he was given like the others. I believe it is because instead of being thankful for what he was entrusted with, he was fearful and doubtful not about his skill, but about the master. He misunderstood who the master was. Rather than living with faith, which sometimes feels like letting go, he held tightly and fearfully because he feared the master. When the third servant came before the master, before the master could even say one word, the servant says to the master, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you didn't scatter seed, so I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. The third servant totally misunderstands the master. And for us, reading this as a parable, we see that in misunderstanding the Master, there are many among us who misunderstand God. Does how the third servant describe the Master sound anything like God? No. And so if we read the parable in that way, the parable breaks down. The only way the parable makes sense is if we understand the third servant as representing those who get Something wrong about God. God. God is not a merciless, ungraceful judge. God is the one who gave us everything in His Son, Jesus Christ. And what we see throughout the Gospels is that God is loving and kind. And as we see in the crucifixion, the resurrection, God is extremely generous towards us far more so than we could ever deserve. So the third servant represents everyone who misunderstands God. Well, I hope you don't feel that way. There are many who have trouble with God. They see God as a harsh man, as the third servant did, waiting to judge and to condemn them. As someone who doesn't want them to have fun, puts them in a straitjacket, who just wants to place limits and rules and restrictions on their life. Did you come here this morning to worship that kind of God? But like the third servant, I believe they have it wrong. And I believe if they've read scripture, attended church, if they gave churches like ours a chance, 
They would feel the loving embrace and comforting and empowering love of Christ in their life. God has blessed each of us, no matter who you are, in a way that is far more than enough. But rather than being fearful of God, we should recognize that in those blessings, he has called us to use our talents to do good for us and to do good for others in this world. We are not called to be reckless, but we're called to step out in faith, understanding all that we have, all that we are, is a gift from God. And part of being a good steward of it is putting it to work. Because we are not a people of fear. We are a people of trust. That when we step out off of what feels like that cliff, God paves the way and the path before us. Don't misunderstand God. I hope it's not fear that brought you here today. And if it is, I don't want it to be fear that you leave with today. Instead, I hope that it is some grounding, some faith that can shape how you navigate the days and the weeks and the years ahead. I want you each to know the love and the grace of God, which is revealed throughout Scripture, embodied in Jesus Christ, confirmed through the strength of the Holy Spirit. And with that, to take whatever talent and whatever use it is that has been granted to you so that you may go out and do good, multiplying your efforts through the grace of God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.